welcome to another episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Jade Mesco. I'm Derek Neighbors. And I'm Roy Vandewater. So we were sitting around trying to decide what to talk about, and the topic of XP came up. And so, uh, hey Derek, what what happened to XP? <laughs> so, you know, I, I think what we were kind of talking about it is we were laughing, making fun of some other industrial frameworks <laughs> and uh, enterprise-y things and you know, with, you with can, trademarks, you can infer what you want to infer, and we kind <laughs> of were laughing. Um, but we do get a lot of our clients that, uh, for right or wrong, uh, call what we do the Integrum way. And I, I made a comment that I was doing a lot of research on um, some of the elements of process and trying to dissect things and find commonalities and you know, kind of deep dive into it. And that I was, I don't want to say appalled, but amazed at how almost identical. The Integrum way is to traditional XP in almost every way, shape, and form. And we, we never claim to be original. That's right. Right, and I mean, which is which is hilarious, but it's funny because we don't sell that we really do XP, even though we firmly believe in XP. Like, there's no marketability for right. extreme programming. Oh, we don't sell the Integrum way. And we yet don't we either. don't we don't sell the Integrum way either, right? It's just part of what we do. Um, but I think the the conversation started to to diverge into. Well, yeah, people stop doing XP because XP is really fucking hard to do. Well, I wonder, too, if XP, how much does XP actually speak about organization, like the organization around the actual development team? Not much. Um, I mean, it it demands an on-site customer, which is very, very difficult to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ev- it's even more difficult, I think, than having a product owner from Scrum. Um, I don't know. I I've been talking a lot about XP at the the company that I'm working at right now, and a lot of the engineers get excited about it until they actually go to implement it. So it looks it looks really great when you read the book, and you know it's really easy to get excited about the values and the principles and and all those things. But doing it is very very difficult. So when I look at it, I mean, I I think one of the things I find interesting is I think that XP tends to say like stop the silos and everything you need to be successful pull that into your team which i think honestly is probably the most scalable way to think about the world and i think what happens is all of these enterprise frameworks that are coming out for lack of a better word or these agile scaling frameworks what they try to do is say how do we build our silos back up in an agile way so like we've got these independent agile teams that are doing mm-hmm. things but we're not allowing them to actually deliver things end to end we we put some sort of ceiling or some roof on them where they have to interface back with the organization which generally becomes the limiter that stops them from actually being high performing and it says like we need to have all these control valves to deal with it where I think maybe more the XP way, and I certainly don't address it, so I'm projecting here, but I think they're kind of saying, you know, hey, if you've got your customer and, you know, everything's self-contained, it's almost like every team is its own startup. And I think if you look at what's most scalable, that is probably the most scalable to do mm-hmm. high performance. It might not be the most scalable for I want everything to be uniform or I want everybody or I want the most efficiency. Right. And that's the problem. Big companies want efficiency. So they're like, we want to implement Scrum the same way for everybody so that we, you know, it's easy for somebody to go from one team to another team and, you know, they know what they're doing. There's no cost to have to switch. Right, and everybody's doing the same thing. We're reporting in the same way. We're all using the same tool. We're all making we're, sure we're not accidentally doing rework. Because I, right. I feel like that's kind of the problem with having a startup idea. Is like you could have one startup over here building some minimum viable product for some something over here, and then have another startup all the way across the company doing the exact same thing, 
uh, and essentially wasting resources. Yeah, for... and the, and the way I look at that is let the free market decide. If you've got mm-hmm. if you've got two or three teams that are all trying to solve a similar problem, they're probably going to solve it slightly different. And when they do that, the best one's going to rise to the top. I think what happens is we get so concerned about like let's not waste money allowing three different teams to do it that we add so much crap in that none of the three teams deliver anything because they're so quagmired in, like, we have to have the person <coughs> ar- perfect architecture or the perfect answer to this, or it's got to be the end-all for all three of us, when in reality, maybe a small part of it is really the same for all of us, but for so the rest of us, it's not. So are we talking about an organization where the head of the organization, like the parent entity or whatever, really acts more like a venture capitalist? And sure. all of the all like you have all of these little sub organizations that get a essentially get a budget, get to figure out what they do want to do with it, and it's up to them to figure out the best way that they can add value back to the organization. All, all, all big enterprises I know already do that. They already have they already have organizational pieces. They already have the ability that they're putting budget by group by something. Right. Mm-hmm. The only difference is they're trying to squeeze efficiency between groups. Mm-hmm. I mean, or they try to say, like, how can we make it so that we can communicate everything to everybody? So, and so is the, it's so just is, unrealistic. Is the ironic part that by trying to maximize efficiency, they generate a ton of waste? I don't think they generate a ton of waste as much as they stifle innovation. Uh, I guess uh, what I mean in terms of waste is the, like, bureaucratic overhead of dealing with the organizational hierarchy. So you end up with a ton of, like, like middle managers and, and middle managers between managers. And, like, you end up with all of that type of waste that you, but to w- them, it's not waste because they're getting the value of being able to know what everybody's doing. I, I see. Right. But I mean, this is where Conway's law starts to play in, right? That the the software that is developed is a direct reflection of the communication processes of the mm-hmm. organization itself, right? So if you have this very complex, very highly controlling, mm-hmm. uh, very convoluted com- uh, communication environment, your software is going to be a direct reflection of that. Right, and I think that also plays into the XP principle of self-similarity. Right, that that was a hard one for me to to comprehend for a long time. I had to really think about how self-similarity really works, and you know, it's it's based on the same idea, right? That if you if you have a team that's functioning in this way, it's going to generate software that functions in this yeah. way. If the organization is functioning that way, it's going to generate teams that work. That it's way. it's a classic Jim Jim and Michelle McCarthy's team right. equals product, yeah, right? right? Like, I mean, I I think that. That, that there's so much truism to that, but we don't want to admit it, right? Like, right. We Especially w- as a management team where the product is a development team. Right. We want our products to be nimble and light and clean and, and simple and all of these words, but we build our organizations the exact opposite of the traits that we're actually looking for. I think I read an article on Medium or one of these um, uh, that their company is trying to do no management structure. Right, yeah. and and I think there's some other examples, and I think this is the holistocracy. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's problems with this stuff. Like, I I don't, I don't want to sound too idealistic or like happy hippie, and like like I don't think anybody's saying that it's the magic pill and that everything works and that people have it done. But I think the next real innovation is going to be organizational innovation. Meaning, we've squeezed the crap out of efficiency for technology um, for the most part. I, I think our next big wave, where we're going to get real innovation, innovation, where we're going to see like leaps and bounds in technology advancement, not efficiency, is going to be when we can figure out how to optimize how we behave as human beings into organizational structure, like work structure. So how does that, uh, how does XP play into that? If we think that the ideas, kind of the core principles and values of XP 
are fundamental to the way that we work, how do they play into that next revolution of organization? I think some of it is that they are just like they were revolutionary and radical ideas for software teams. I think they're revolutionary and (coughs) radical ideas for managers and for organizations. Meaning, um, think about it if you said, like, we need to keep our organization simple. A good example of this to me would be Netflix's vacation policy. Our vacation policy is you can have as much vacation as you want. We don't really care. Check with your team. Make sure that your team says that you're providing value and is a team. You guys figure that out. We're not going to have a policy. Now, I've seen three and four person companies that will go to war over what their vacation policy is going to be, which is just to me insane. Right. But but it's like that institutional. But like you have to have a policy. There's no way. I mean, we're not talking, you know, a 30,000 person company switching from like, well, we've got, you know, regulation and we've got history and we've got accrued hours. And like well, we can't just flip the switch and go to this like really simple vacation policy of don't be an idiot, you know, do what's right. We're seeing brand new companies that form that have so much organizational baggage from the people starting those companies that they're saying, we can't do this. I wonder wonder how much of that, though, is people trying to avoid uh, personal conflict. So, for example, their vacation policy and only having a four-person organization, if you instill this policy and you break the policy by taking, you know, three months of vacation in a year or whatever, now I can point to the policy and, like, it's not me accusing you. It's me pointing to the policy and it's you versus the policy. Whereas if you're being a jerk but we don't have an agreement ahead of time, then all of a sudden I have to bring it up with you and I have to take responsibility for how I feel. Yeah, I think I think that plays a lot into it. When, when we started uh, Integrum, a lot of people who were mentoring me were freaking out because we wouldn't define those things like vacation policy, like some of the other things because we didn't want policy. We didn't, we didn't need, uh, it's amazing when you create a policy, how everyone becomes a lawyer on, on, in the company, right? I've seen it in, in many different companies that I've been in where as soon as the policy comes out, everyone is figuring out the loopholes, the ways around it, like all, all those things right. where if you don't have a policy, it does force you to deal with it on a human person to person basis. That, that's not scalable. That's, and, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think that's what starts to happen is, A, we don't trust people. So, like, that might be work really well for this little group, but I can't imagine doing it for... And it's like, well, why are you hiring people you don't trust? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I mean, this goes back to the core things of, like, to me, when we talk about some of the simplicity, some of this empowerment, some of the self-organization, self-direction, is you have to get to a point where you have such vulnerability and such courage as a leader and as a manager um, or an owner or CEO that, like, you just unlock the awesome Right, the minute that you take good people and you start to put things around that start to show that you're not vulnerable or that you're not trusting, like Jade was saying, like they start to build walls around that almost instantly, right? Not even knowing it, just like as a self defense mechanism, you know, it turns into justification. It turns, and you right. cut you cut out all that ability to be like the best human being you can be. And I think when we can get to a state on teams where like. We're cutting through all the crap, and we're just being like the most raw that we can be together is people, and not having to deal with all the other crap. We unlock all sorts of potential, and, and but that's so hard to do. Well, what's what's cool about some of that too is that like by a lot, by trusting the people to make good decisions, what ends up happening is they probably make better decisions than if you instill the rules on them. So like going back to your vacation idea, right? Like if you instill like a two or three week vacation policy on somebody, they're going to make sure they use up every single day. But if the rules don't be an asshole, 
then all of a sudden I would I would not be surprised if people all of a sudden took like one week instead of three weeks or whatever. So, and I and and I bet that extends way beyond vacation policies. So we had our number one complaint over time, you know, through 100 employees over time. The number one complaint with say vacation or lack of vacation mm-hmm. policy is I don't like this because I don't know how much time I can take. And so I think you guys are being mean to me <laughs> because you're trying to get me to not take vacation by not telling me how much vacation I can take, which to me is just like, boom, mind blown. Like, how, how, how does saying take as much as you feel is necessary and as much as the team can think gets turned around into this is an evil Jedi mind trick that's yeah. getting me well, to not take vacation. We're not it's, that smart. It's because there's a lot of organizations. <laughs> like like there's the infamous scene from uh, from Office Space, right, where the guy's like, you need to have like 17 pieces of flares. Like, okay, so I, I need to get 17 pieces of flares. Like, well, you don't need 17 pieces of flares. You just you need to have enough. And he's like, okay, well, I think three is enough. He's like, well, three isn't really enough. We were thinking more like 17 or whatever, <laughs> right? And it's, I think that's the case with most organizations is, I bet people are suspicious and think that there's a hidden number behind the scenes, and they are just not are they're just not allowed to know what that number well, is. Well, I mean, what's funny is we'd even had some people that asked the question. I don't know, like, what do you guys see? As reasons? Like, I don't know, most places, you know, two to four weeks. But I mean, like, hey, it depends on what your project is. It doesn't mean, like, I mean, I think we were pretty open about that, right? Like, I don't think we were saying, like, well, we're not going to tell you what the magic number is. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we right, said, but we're like, going to be mad if you go over the secret right, exactly. number. Exactly. Right? Well, we're, and then we're we have secret meetings about <laughs> the fact that you went over, and when you come back from vacation, your ass is fired. Well, and then what was crazy is we'd have some people that would would uh, take, you know, a little more vacation. Mm-hmm. And you'd have other people almost get like mad at them, and it's like they're following the same thing that you're following. You right. just like have a mental hang up that you don't want to do it. Right. Although them getting mad is how the system self corrects too, right? Like if yep. somebody's obviously abusing the system, and everybody else gets mad, like that's how that's how you deal with that organizationally. Yep. And I mean, I, I think that it's just difficult. It's difficult for people to do. It. And I think when I look at the XP stuff, the reason the XP stuff is so hard is because it is so so simple and so liberating it's like zen right you yeah, know i mean definitely. you know you know if if you listen to us ron you know I, I loved our conversation about value and kind of the argument and as much as it sucks to say value is what you're like what you like at the end of the day that's kind of what value is and i mean it seems too simplistic and too easy and too um raw but i think that's how a lot of these things tend to be if you break them down to their bare essence it's like be human and be simple about it and you get pretty tremendous results yeah i remember the first time i came across xp in the late 90s i saw it and i said this will never work this is insane like we just couldn't apply this i was working at a small place that you know had a a very tight-knit team i was still in elementary school (laughs) and say shut up (laughs) (laughs) and still rejected it you know because it is it's it's beautifully simple right uh, but very very hard to live by And on that note, thanks for listening to the Agile Weekly Podcast. We'll catch you next week. Goodbye. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integrumtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly Podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.